Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Reactive Redefined, our three-month intensive coaching program, will reopen for enrollment on Friday, April 1st. You will have until Sunday, April 10th to join. Check out the show notes for more details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have one of my lovely Reactive Redefined students with me tonight, and we are going to talk all about their journey Um, I got to say, I think y'all are maybe the most improved of this round of Reactive Redefined. I'm so freaking proud of you. So, um, Caitlin, do you want to kind of introduce yourself for the listeners? Tell them your name, where you're located. And then if you want to do like a a nice description of of Nessie um, and kind of visually what she looks like, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, uh, my name is Caitlin. I live in San Francisco with my lovely dog, Nessie, like the Loch Ness Monster. Um, She's about 60 pounds, or at least she should be. Um, And she is, I like to say she's s'mores colored. So she's got mostly black, but with brown legs and head. And then she's got a white splash on her chest as well. Um, And she's got nice floppy ears um, and she's not quite like full pit bull blocky head, but she's got some, some definition. Yes. Right. And I think we also have to point out that her tail just like will, will come over her back just a little bit and curl up just a little bit. She's a very yeah. cute dog. She's a very she's cute dog. Okay. So, um, tell everyone what she's made of breed wise. Well, this is interesting. I checked because we had done a DNA test like a year ago. And so I, I knew you asked about this. So I checked online, but they just updated the algorithm. So the answer is totally different than it was before. Um, so she is still about 35% total mix of Amstaff, American Bulldog and Pitbull. Um, so still mostly bully breed, still 14% Great Pyrenees, which she is not big, white, and fluffy, but she definitely has some of those personality traits in the dew claws to prove it. Um, and then a mix of mostly herding breeds with like some lab and uh, Rottweiler and Great Dane thrown in there. But she's mostly the perfect, she's the perfect mix. Yeah, she's a mutt for sure. Oh my God. Okay. So um, will you tell everyone a little bit more about how she came into your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, coincidentally, I adopted her, um, a couple of months into the pandemic, but I had been planning on getting a dog for a while. I was like, okay, once my lease is up at this specific place, like it's time to get a dog. Um, I'm well positioned for it. Um, and that happened to happen a couple months into the pandemic. And so I found her online. I was searching at different shelters, um, and found her online and I had a minor obsession with the Loch Ness monster as a kid. So when I saw a dog named Nessie, who was like the size that I was looking for, not too big. And, um, it seemed kind of like a great fit. Um, of course, kismet. it was meant to be. Yeah, it definitely was meant to be the, of course, the one thing that I knew I needed was that I needed a dog friendly dog. So I could take her to doggy daycare when I eventually would go back into the office Um, which of course is not what I got despite what was advertised, which I know is a familiar journey for a lot of people that have rescued dogs. 
And, you know, I think that some, you know, I think sometimes the rescue group is doing their best, but they can't always foresee, you know, like, okay, so she came into your life. Tell us a little bit more about like what you started to learn about her pretty quickly, personality and behavior wise. Yeah, I think um, like a lot of rescue dogs, she came in and she was a little shut down. So she was silent, which now she's a very vocal girl. Um, (laughs) um, But she was very friendly to people, no problem. But pretty, pretty quickly, it became clear that she was reactive to other dogs, um, which is something that I've been familiar with because I had I've prior to adopting this, I volunteered, I walked almost like 100 hours walking dogs at like a shelter that used positive reinforcement training. So you knew, right? Like you understood like kind of the spectrum of behavior before she came into your life. Yeah. So I had some background in terms of using positive reinforcement training and reactive dogs, though not nearly as much, like not to the level of like the specific tools for reactive dogs. It was all very much based on management for the volunteers, but I recognized that behavior. Um, But we were remote enough at the time that it was not a huge problem. Um, but eventually it, you know, continued to be a problem. We would try to go on hikes and she would just lose her mind. Um, Nessie's flavor of reactivity is she's dog reactive first and foremost with then followed by bikes, then followed by runners. Um, so very difficult in a trail setting. Yes. Um, but so she's mostly dog reactive and she, lunges she barks very scary to somebody that doesn't know her can be scary to people that do know her um but her dog reactivity was was very very loud and aggressive well she's got a deep bark too right like she can seem menacing if you don't know her right and like what's going on oh my god okay so then you relocated to somewhere that wasn't as rural and it kind of put some pressure on like, okay, cool. We need to do something more about this now. Yeah. So while we were still living somewhere a little more rural, I had worked with a trainer one-on-one on her reactivity. So that's where I learned, like, look at that and that mostly that kind of tool set as well as some management. Um, and so we had about like three sessions with this trainer one-on-one. She was really great. Um, positive reinforcement, Um, but it's the kind of thing where you do one session with a stuffed dog and you do one session with a real dog and then you do one session in a park, um, where jumping ahead a little bit, something that's really great about the reactive redefined program is you get to come on so many different walks via video that even though it's not working one-on-one, I think you got, you get so much, you got so much exposure to Nessie and like her walks that I didn't have, didn't happen when working one-on-one with a trainer. Um, And I think that Nessie's the type of dog too, that like in a structured setting, you have the skills, right? Like in setups, you know what to do and she can be successful. But in your new living situation, you were seeing dogs all of the time, right? So I feel like I was able to kind of give you some like crash course and like, okay, cool. This isn't a perfect training setup at a quiet park with a stuffed dog. Like what can we do to make some tweaks here? Exactly. Yeah. So we moved to San Francisco right before Reactive Redefined opened for um, signing up. And I had been following you on Instagram for like over a year and had thought about like how great this program would be. And so I moved and I live in a part of San Francisco called the Presidio, which is actually a national park. And it's gorgeous. And I live in this forest inside the city. Oh, gorgeous. I love going on virtual walks with you. Yes. Um, But that means that 
I thought like a dog first, but so did everybody else that lives here. So I would go, you know, my morning walks, we see like six to 10 dogs, like every day, every, every walk. Um, I've figured out some times like that are a little more off schedule for people. So I'm, we're getting less interactions now, but especially when we first moved here, it was, you know, no matter what, six to 10 dogs and no matter what, at the very beginning, Nessie, like big barks, big lunges, like big scene to every dog. Right. Like no one can miss Nessie going by. Right. She's, she was creating quite a ruckus. Wasn't she? (laughs) Yeah. She's a, she's a ruckus maker. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit because I know that there's kind of been an evolution of like understanding the why, right? Like why is Nessie reactive? So before you joined reactive redefined, I know that she had had some altercations with other dogs, right? So she had been good with some dogs, but not good with other dogs. Tell the listeners just a little bit like of a brief rundown on like her dog history. Yeah. So she's been okay with other dogs. Um, but then she's also, and she's also gotten into a couple of scuffles. She's also gotten into two like actual dog fights, like pull by the rear legs to separate, um, which is for anybody that's been there. I totally sympathize with you. It's very scary. Um, luckily neither dog was hurt in either incident, but it's something that after those incidents, like, her dog exposure, I was very, very careful. Like there's, there's, we're not going to go to any dog parks, like either in the past or in the future, which is fine. Um, but so my understanding of her reactivity based on that kind of information was that she's either very fearful, um, cause she's, she's very fearful in new indoor locations. So it's a behavior I'd seen out of her before, um, or she was guarding or she was just, aggressive. Um, so that was my understanding of her reactivity prior to reactive redefined was something like either she's, she's going big either to scare somebody off or to like actually try to, I'm going to get you, um, was my understanding prior to this. Right. But like you said, we've had this huge journey in understanding like what is motivating this reactivity. And it's been a huge shock. (laughs) Oh my gosh, right. Okay, so for everyone listening, I, I do want to preface this with I know all of the like subtle details and nuance. There's a very extensive behavior form. Like, so everyone, you have to take with a grain of salt here that I know basically everything about Nessie, and that's why we we're able to come to this conclusion and move forward. If your dog has a history of being aggressive to other dogs, you absolutely need the help of a professional. But so obviously I took into account all the information you had told me, right? Because she had been in fights before. That is important information. We need to know that to prevent, you know, from putting her in dangerous situations. But something that started to come to light, you know, over the first couple of weeks of Reactive Redefined was we were talking a lot about her body language, right? And nothing about her body language was really saying, I don't want you to come closer. It was really more of a like, excuse me, where are you going? I would like to say hi. And because of where you live, because of the fact that there are constantly dogs and the fact that where you walk, there are on and off leash dogs very intermittently every day, right? It's not just a like, everyone is leashed and you can always avoid dogs. (laughs) I remember 
the one-on-one we had where I was like, okay, cool. So you need to let her start saying hi to dogs. And you were like, excuse me, what? (laughs) I was like, yeah, she needs to say hi to more dogs. She can handle it. She's ready for it. And I remember a video you uploaded of like an accidental greeting that you didn't plan. The dog was off leash. She greeted and it was really uneventful. She just said hi and just moved on. Right. Right. So do you want to just kind of share with the listeners a little bit more of like, you know, kind of hearing that advice from me and like feeling confident enough to like actually do it for reals. Yeah. And this is something like this program has been so great. Cause I never would have been able to do this on my own or like, even with a trainer that I only see occasionally, like having your advice and like you going on so many walks with us to see what's going on was so key to this. So we had like a couple of accidental greetings because there's so many off leash dogs where we walk. Um, and they were fine. And I was shocked and baffled. I was like, why this dog? Why is this dog? Okay. Cause I had tried to do another greeting with a friend's dog and that did not go well. Nessie was not into it. And so I was mostly baffled, like why, why these dogs are okay. But, um, once you said to go for it, you know, we started doing these like on leash, my dog would be on leash. And usually what happens is an off leash dog comes and approaches, And instead of like running away, like we were doing previously, it'd be like, okay, I'm calm. She's calm. And then it would be a greeting and it would be fine. And it's fine. Which sounds so easy when you describe it like that, but can you share a little bit more with the listeners? Like what was happening for you, right? Like I coached you specifically on what I wanted you to do and you executed it well, but I don't think that overrides some of like, you know, the previous, like not great interaction she's had and how like you know that's scary when you know the capabilities like can you just speak a little bit more about like how you were working to be like stay cool we've got this she can do this oh very much internal monologue was required because the instinct (laughs) given her history uh, between like scuffles and the actual fights was like if she gets to this other dog like there's going to be problems and I I don't want to cause any other dog harm Um, and so like very, very like me coming from a a place of like fear and caution and then needing to like, you know, take deep breaths, inner monologue, like it's going to be fine. She actually wants to see these dogs. Um, and then pushing away the bafflement as I like watch her greet these dogs without problems and just like, remember like that, like, I know her body language. I know she's calm. And like through this training, like I've gotten more familiar with her body language and like what it actually means. Um, and so paying attention to the like dog that I have in front of me less than like the dog that I've had in the past. Oh my God. So I'm so proud of like how you really stepped up for her. Cause I know it's hard, right? Like, you know, I had a dog who could be really dog aggressive and he has been gone for years. And I still have some moments where I have to remind myself, like, Rachel, you are not attached to that dog. Like everything is going to be okay here. Like it's not easy to kind of like get back from that. So I think that something that was so essential for Nessie as an individual and something we talked about a lot was that like, there can be no leash tension, (laughs) right? Like leash tension is definitely going to tip the things, tip the interaction in a direction we don't want it to go. And you did such a good job of like, okay, you were ready to grab her leash if you needed to, but you did such a good job of keeping it loose. Do you want to speak just a little bit to like, how you had to go against your initial reaction to kind of tense up on the leash. 
Oh yeah. Well, and especially because like in management for reactivity too, it's like, okay, get the dog close to you so you can manage them and then just power walk on by. Like that's a very important skill for having a reactive dog. So I was very used to like getting to the traffic handle and then just like doing the power walk. So I would like grab the traffic handle and then do the internal monologue and be like, Oh no, no, no. (laughs) Like relaxed. I'm relaxed. The leash is relaxed. Nessie is relaxed. Um, and definitely, you know, had to practice that, but always ready to like, kind of get on the move if needed. Right. Which to date you haven't had to. We've had one scalpel okay. since we talked last. Okay. Um, and it's unclear, you know, which dog said what to the other dog to start it. But one scuffle out of like, I would say over 20 greetings that we've had is like a great, a great ratio. I'm like very pleased with that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, obviously this plan is specific to Nessie and it worked really well for her. But I think another element is the fact that where you walk, there are always dogs. There are very often off-leash dogs. And I felt for like you both as a team and Nessie as an individual, that the complete avoidance and, you know, creating space every single time, I felt like that was not worth the time or energy, right? And sometimes you can still avoid. Like we did work on other skills, obviously, but because of the nature of where you live and where you walk, I was kind of like, let's fast track this, right? Like if there are unleashed dogs that she can greet, no problem. And you can just keep walking. And then we don't even have to worry about training or management. Like let's make that happen for you all as a team. Right. And, you know, I think that I was always really surprised. And I know we talked about this, but for everyone listening, I was always so surprised by how for the most part, the off-leash dogs you encounter are not like running up to you being crazy. Like there's really a lot of like responsible dog ownership and like good communication and training between the off-leash dogs. Yeah, it's been an incredibly pleasant surprise for sure. Cause you never know what you're going to get when an off-leash dog approaches. And there's certainly been some like, this <laughs> moments, but for the most part, these off-leash dogs are, have been great. Right. And like seeing all those videos and going on those like virtual walks with you, that definitely was like another like, okay, cool. So I feel like for the most part, there's reasonable dogs and people that you're encountering. And that definitely, I felt like made it easier to open up the like, let's let her say hi more. Right. Like, let's just do that for her. Um, Okay. And something else that I've loved observing in your videos is you've done a lot more like communicating with people like can she say hi right like do you want to speak to that a little bit because I know that's not really something you were doing before like asking and talking to other people about her saying hi was more of a like excuse us we're just gonna go this way (laughs) yeah it's definitely something where like I know that I would not necessarily be happy if somebody just like brought their dog over to me especially if their dog had just been barking at them for example which happens sometimes so it's like I always want to be like hi like do you mind if we say hi and it you know, because we need that for the training and I don't just want to approach, it's forced me to communicate with these other dog owners more. Um, and especially like, as we've gotten to like the root of this reactivity being like, oh my gosh, is she, she's, she's frustrated. She wants to meet these other dogs. That's the source of the reactivity. Um, it, it makes me more comfortable saying to other people, you know, when she does react occasionally, which will still happen because she's, it's real life and she's a dog, it'll still happen every now and then. Um, but it's much reduced for the most part, but I can still say, oh, I'm so sorry. She just gets frustrated when she can't say hi. And people, you know, that's something that people can understand. They might not like it, 
but even knowing that helps me communicate with other with other dog owners yeah which you've done such a beautiful job of so I want to talk about like you know on the walk front like obviously you're letting her greet you're understanding body language you're understanding what to do right and that's going really well but something else that we also worked on early on before we kind of graduated to like let her say hi more was just making a few pivots to what you were doing because I remember when you joined Reactive Redefined you were doing a great job of creating space and doing your best to manage the situation but we really quickly realized that Nessie having to be stationary was actually just making it exponentially harder for her right so you want to kind of speak speak to the listeners a little bit more about like that early plan when I was like this is what I want you to do instead yeah so initially like my experience would look at that before I don't I suspect I was not trained to do it this way this is all on me not the trainer I worked with before but I would step off to the side to create as much space as possible, like off the trail and then just hold her while she reacted until she could, I could give her treats and resume doing look at that exercise. So very much a stationary exercise, which, you know, it's a 60 pound dog. She's lunging. She's pretty, she's very, she's very strong. (laughs) So it was like part out of that. And part of just like me trying to like not know how to manage all of those things all at once. Um, but when you brought up that, like, let's just try moving, let's just power walk past. Let's do that. That was, there were definitely like a, a couple weeks of videos of me being like stationary and then unfreezing and power walking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was like a transition period for me. Um, and you know, she, if she was going to react, she was still going to react, but we shortened the amount of time that she had to deal with this other dog being nearby. So it shortened the reaction as well. Um, so that's another instance of like your perspective training me instead of training the dog and how much that helps. <laughs> oh my God. Right. Because it's, it's obviously the dog is getting trained at the same time, but like my expertise is way more about telling you what to do than anything. Right. <laughs> like yeah, absolutely. Make this small tweak. And, you know, I have to commend you because you did such a beautiful job of making sure that every week I had a really good visual picture of what's been happening. Right. Because while like, obviously like walks and reactivity on leash to other dogs was like our major focus. We also troubleshooted some other aspects of her reactivity, right? Like her challenge going to the vet and working on some muzzle training and some consent and care, right? Like you did a, such a good job of being like my ideal reactive redesign participant because every week you're like, here is the broad scope of what happened this week. And that allowed me to give you just those small little tweaks to the training plan that were ultimately extremely meaningful for you all as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to like use you as a resource um, for muzzle training and for consent and care, which is like such a huge deal with Nessie. Like, I don't know if you've listened to anybody, listeners out there have listened to Rachel's vet episode. Nessie is a dog that goes up when she is at the vet. She does not shut down. She gets very aggressive. Um, so working on muzzle training, first and foremost, now consent and care has been so important for us. So having you as a resource has been invaluable for that as well. Cause we've made huge, I, I had tried to do those skills in the past on my own, but had really struggled with it. Um, and even just knowing that I had to have videos every week was another good motivator to like do the training regularly, um, which also helps. Oh my God. Well, and I, you know, I think that like, 
just the accountability, right? Because like, it's not a small investment and that's on purpose, right? Like we really want you to invest in yourself and the time and making the most out of the program. And you are a bright shining star of like, if you show up and do everything we ask you to do, it's pretty incredible, the leaps and bounds that you can make, right? And for everyone listening, I think by this point, if you've been a disorderly dogs listener for a while, you know that like, this is not a destination, right? Like, you know, this isn't a like, Nessie's cured. She's never going to be reactive again. That is, that is not the truth. But I think that you and Nessie have just, oh my God, just made such leaps and bounds as a team that like, while she can still be reactive, I feel like her overall leash reactivity is like so significantly down comparatively it's crazy and when she does react it's not as big of a reaction like she's not lunging as much anymore like it's been in it's well and it's something that the videos are also really helpful for because the first few weeks I was like oh we there's no difference and we had our one-on-one and you were like oh there's absolutely a difference (laughs) (laughs) which I needed to hear because I was not paying I was paying too close of attention the the micro view not the macro view um so that was that was that's other good feedback that you can get in this program oh absolutely well and you know I I I also want to give you some more kudos because I feel like you and Nessie already had a really nice existing relationship it was already there it already existed but I think what you both were able to accomplish together was really that cohesion where you are truly working as a team Right. And I feel like because of what we've been able to unpack together, I feel like from Nessie's perspective, I think she has a little bit more of a like, my person knows what I want. I don't need to like take matters into my own hands too. Do you want to speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, that's the dream is to have Nessie be able to trust that I'm going to take her only into scenarios that she can handle. Um, So it's really powerful to hear you say that because that's what I've been working for this whole time is to is to be, be the handler that she can trust, um, to take her place. And I think that she is like really offering a lot of like default to you in some of those tense situations too, right. Where she's like, excuse me, are you seeing this? There is a dog here. And you're like, I know you're doing so good. We've got this. We're going to do this together. Right. And like, you know, I think for a dog like Nessie, who was so frustrated, just like, for the love of God, let me say hi to this dog right now to go to like, you, you cue a couple, look at that. She gets some cookies. She says, hi, you walk by. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful to see, yeah. right? Like listener, I, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you all, I mean, seriously, you've made just so much progress in such a short amount of time and you've done it. You you've made the progress, right? Like that is real and that's happening. But I think like, you know, underneath that, the relationship and how you've been able to cultivate and really just work so beautifully as a team with her, like goals, right? Everyone hashtag goals. Like that is really what it's about because even though reactive redefine is technically kind of coming to an end, now you have all these skills in that relationship that you've built on. So there's really no stopping you now, right? Like now it's really just about putting in more time and energy and seeing more of that progress. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to see where this continues to take us because we'll still be walking these same. I'm still, we're doing the training every time we go on a walk, whether my roommate is following us with the phone or not, <laughs> um, which I think I'll have her continue to do occasionally just so I can keep an eye on things oh, um, or to brag, you know, three months in the future in the Facebook group. Um, 
you know, I, I won't say I'm above that. I'm certainly not. So. Oh my um, God. I welcome Greg's. It brings me so much joy when I get that Facebook notification, like, Ooh, what are they up to? Right. Okay. So I wanted to circle back to this really quickly because I think a lot of people who are interested in joining reactive redefined are kind of like, excuse me, how are you getting videos? You did such a beautiful job of enlisting your roommate's help. Right. And then in turn, I feel like your, your roommate got to learn like a lot about dog training. So like, if you need a backup walker, you have someone who knows what to do. Exactly. It's been a huge relief. Um, cause she's been around dogs before my roommate, but, um, not necessarily reactive dogs. So she's, she's followed along this whole journey. She actually sits in on the group calls because the group calls are so great. She's like, can I see what this is like can I see what these videos I'm taking are for can I be a part of this and so she's been in like the group calls as well I love Um, love, it's so nice right like you're like can she come I'm like uh yes she absolutely can right come and be part of it okay so on the group call front do you want to share with everyone listening just a little bit about like the value that you found in the group calls in particular I love the group calls so much. Like I'm so invested in every like handler and dog pairing for sure. Like I, every time like somebody's like, oh, I made it past the fence without a reaction. I'm like, hell yes. Like can't wait to like hear more about it. But um, on top of that, it's just been so great to talk to people because occasionally I'll see somebody with another reactive dog, like in the wild, but the nature of reactivity is that I'll never be able to talk to that person. (laughs) So this is an opportunity to talk to people. And all of these dogs have like different flavors of reactivity. Um, But there are definitely things that like, I can still get out of each of their stories and each of their training journeys. Um, And like learning, because we see everybody gets shows a video every week or every call, Um, so being able to see, like learn body language from all of these different examples. And then there's also like definitely pieces of Nessie that I see in these other dogs as kindred spirits, like the prey drive in another dog, like Nessie it's gopher season now. And boy, oh boy, she's spending half our walks with her nose in the ground. Um, I just recorded an episode with Amanda and Bristow. So yes, all the listeners will know by your episode, they'll know we're talking about. Yes. Um, or, and then like finding out that like, oh, it's actually not reactivity based on like aggression. It's just like frustrated greeter reactivity, which like there's some other people in the group that deal with that. So it's like, oh, I'm glad I've been listening because it turns out it's all like, it was all relevant to begin with, but like now, now it's for sure I can like share in this journey. So the group calls have been so great. One for the, the camaraderie and two for the learning and three for like just being able to be part of everybody's journey, um, having it be like a two-way street is so fulfilling. Well, and seeing you all like connect and really support each other, right? Like, obviously I'm there to support everyone, but it's so beautiful to see like during the calls, like the comments back and forth in the, you know, the, the remarks back and forth in the comments and, you know, you all have really like shown up like, okay, let's make the most of this. Let's support each other. And it's such a beautiful community. Like the group calls, I say this in every episode, everyone who's listening, like, yeah, 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 Rachel, we get it. But no, seriously, like the group calls are, are remarkably warm and kind and it's such a supportive place, right? And I think too, like in the group calls, like sharing videos of everybody, I think from like just the dog body language standpoint, like we had a broad spectrum of breeds this round too, right? Like Nessie, we had, you know, Penelope, who was the Chihuahua, like we had really like a, a wide range of dogs. So being 
able to like observe that body language, I think is helpful for you when you're out in the world, seeing all these dogs, right? Like, okay, happy is a lab. Okay. This is, oh yeah. I saw some of this body language when I saw that too. Right. And I think, you know, Nessie body language wise too, I think that's something that I had you do, had to help you feel a little bit more comfortable with, right. That like, because Nessie comes in kind of um, stancy, I was labeling it, right? Yeah, like, definitely. You know, she, comes, the, she comes in strong for sure. Yes, right? But, you know, I was helping you understand that, like, that is not always an indicator that things are going to go south, right? Like, that is just kind of a part of her personality and, you know, the combinations of breeds, which I think from the outside looking in, like, every basic dog training advice is like, stiff body language is bad, loose body language is good. And you're like, her body language is stiff. Can you help me understand what this actually means, though? Yeah, and that was so helpful. And a huge relief to, like, be able to, like, make that connection that, like, oh, that's just how Nessie, like, this is happy Nessie. Like, <laughs> or, like curious Nessie. Like, if if it goes, like, further than this, like, maybe that's something to, like, be aware of. But this, like, learning her default has been incredibly valuable. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. And just being able to trust that, right. That like that stancy body language does not mean she's about to cause harm to another dog. Right. And like, you know, it's dogs get into arguments, right? Like there's going to be scuffles. That's not to say that like, I was like, cool, let her greet dogs. And it's never not going to go well. Right. Of course it's not going to go well sometimes that's just the nature of it. But I think that she has proven so beautifully that like her dog's social skits, like set is much faster than we gave her credit for at first. Oh, it's, it's, it's like I've said before, it's a little baffling given the extremes that she's gone to from, you know, a dog aggressive to like dog friendly and all being contained in this one dog. (laughs) Well, and it's like, you know, that is like the, the hidden truth is that like a dog can be all of those things, right? Right. She is all of those things. But I think something that we talked about early on too is me helping you understand that like she can behave aggressively sometimes, but that does not mean that she is inherently aggressive. Exactly. Right. Right. And I think that that's really important for all of us to understand that like once you get to know your dog to the extent that Caitlin understands Nessie, you start to unpack the the conditions, the reasons, the why, right? Under what conditions she's going to behave like X, Y, or Z. And when you know that, when you have that knowledge set, it's so much easier to be like, okay, these are the conditions in which she can say hi and be successful to dogs. And these are the conditions which we should probably avoid, right? Because I think so many people are intimidated, especially a big blocky headed dog like her, like, okay, she's been in fights, right? Like that could have easily been like grounds for like no dogs ever, but that would not meet Nessie's needs, would it? Right? Yeah. Like, I think that she has really shown you, like, I need to have dog interactions, right? Like, she does. She does need that to be, to thrive. And that's something I wouldn't have discovered without this program and without the help of a professional, like, watch going on all these walks and, like, seeing everything. So if anybody's, like, doubtful because it's a remote program, like, oh my gosh, it's crazy how much exposure you've had to my dog. Well, and I mean, just to kind of circle back, right? Like you got a lot of value in the in-person training you did, which is so brilliant, right? But I think that, you know, from personal experience, I do both, right? I work with people in person and online, but the reason we created Reactive Redefined is because Steph and I both realized that like, you can only accomplish so much in in in-person sessions, Right. And like what we've been able to accomplish in like, you know, 
I think that this was round eight. I mean, hundreds of people at this point we've coached inside of reactive redefine, like we've honed it. Right. And like, you know, I think people probably from the outside would not understand, but you and Nessie are living proof that virtual training is magic. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. For sure. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, in addition to, you know, a lot of the skills that we worked on, I know that, you know, obviously you and everyone else in reactive redefine had access to our complete course content, right? So there's tons of training videos and stuff like that. And I think that that really helps give everything that I assign you more context, right? I don't just talk it about it. We have the videos and the written explanations to kind of show you. So do you want to kind of speak to like how that helps in addition to like what I told you one-on-one, but I directed you to like, this is the video, watch it, figure it out, implement it. Well, having like, well, first of all, it's just an enormous amount of information, which is amazing just to have access to. Um, but then it also creates the ability to have shared language and a shared understanding. So we're able to like kind of stand on the same plane and understand each other, which is not always the case when working with a professional, anything like (laughs) there's, there's always jargon and like exercises or whatever that can seem mysterious, but we, we have all of these videos to like decipher and like give us the shared language to have so that we can have those one-on-ones to make a training plan. And I understand what you're saying. Oh my God. Right. Because it's like, you know, I do this day in and day out and I just like spit things out because they make sense to me. But that's definitely something that Steph and I really tried hard is to elaborate on all of the concepts, all of the terms, the why, because, you know, it's like, especially look at that, right? Like Leslie McDevitt was the first trainer to really make that well known, but like my definition of look at that is not Leslie McDevitt's, right? Like the way that we implemented look at that and we had her do it was different. So like, I think that the the virtual library, right, where all the videos are is so nice just to give you that context of like, okay, I said, look at that, but this is exactly what I mean, right? And, and you know, in, in the, the course content, there's tons of videos of us being attached to dogs, just like Nessie, right? Like, it's not like we're out with like dogs who aren't reactive. We're like, Cool. So we're out in the world um, with a giant German shepherd named Storm who will bark like crazy. And this is what we're doing in the moment. Right. Like, did that make you feel like a little bit like better about it? I feel like so many trainers do these like well curated videos and it's like, and <laughs> like, oh what about real people in real yeah. life? Seeing, seeing things in the real world with like real reactive dogs was, I think that's the first time I had like seen videos like that which was incredibly helpful as somebody who's preparing to walk their reactive dog and trying to use these tools, seeing what it can actually look like um, with, again, a real reactive dog was so valuable. Right. Right. Well, and something that, you know, we do a lot, not only in the group calls, but also like in the training videos that you get access to is we do a lot of mindset shifting, right. And kind of letting go of like some of the old things and realizing that like, you know, muscling her past a dog every now and then is okay. Right. Like you're not failing. That's not that it's not positive reinforcement training. Like we're doing the best thing for Nessie in that moment. And I think that so many awesome dog guardians want to be as force-free as positive as they possibly can be, but we help you understand that like, you know, sometimes leash tension is part of the problem, right? Sometimes it's part of the solution. And that doesn't mean that like you're a bad trainer or you're doing aversive things. This is also just the reality of like, 
we are in the world with a 60 pound dog who's barking and lunging. What can we do right now? Right. And I know that you had experience, right? Like at the shelter and doing positive reinforcement. But I think that a lot of our clients are like, are we doing it wrong? Is this aversive? Are we not actually force free? And I think we do such a good job of like detailing that, like, you're still doing it right. Yeah, absolutely. And having those tools for when things do go to hell, like that is so much more important than like being concerned. It like gives you the tools to be ready for those scenarios. Cause there's very explicit videos that are like, okay, things have gone to hell. Like now what? We literally entitled it when shit hits the fan. We are not messing around everyone who is listening, right? Like we've yeah. got you covered. We've seen it all. We've seen all the ridiculousness. And I think that, you know, in an effort to be as like, positive reinforcement, force free, whatever you want to label it. I feel like a lot of reactive dog guardians kind of find themselves in those situations where you freeze and you're like, whoa, what are we supposed to do here? And I think, you know, it's, it's so cool to be able to like support you in the like, this is exactly what you should be doing right now. You're doing it right. Keep doing it. Keep practicing it. Cause I think we kind of get stuck in our heads. Like, uh, is this right? Are we, what am I supposed to be doing? Oh my God, I'm pulling on her. Is this bad? Yeah. Having that like outside reinforcement from experts is so valuable. And knowing that I can like go back to those videos because I watched them all at the very beginning of reactive refined, but like, I will need to go back to like some of those skills for sure. Right. And it's like, we understand that in three months we can cover a lot clearly, but it's like the consent and care stuff. Like you have access to all those videos. So when you're ready for them, you can kind of take it to the next level. Oh my God. I'm so proud of you and Nessie. Like, seriously, you have done such amazing work together. Okay. So for everyone listening who maybe has a dog who has been in a fight before, but can be dog social and they're, they've been avoiding dogs. What would you tell them? Uh, one work with an expert. Definitely <laughs> don't try to do it on your own. Just <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but it's not life. doesn't have to be as scary as it seems because after Nessie had been in a fight, it was like, life got very scary just because I had seen what she was capable of. Um, and again, we were lucky. Nobody was injured in those fights, but like, you know, it's scary. Um, and to know that there is hope for like learning to be in the real world and both as a reactive dog and a dog that had been in a fight, like both of those things can be very scary, especially to other people. Um, so you're one, you're not alone Two, you can work through it. Like whatever that ends up looking like, it's not going to look the same for everybody, but like, there is another side of this that you can work through. Right. Right. And there is, there's just, there's so much hope. Right. And I think like, you know, even if your, your dog's dog world doesn't drastically expand, can we bring in one or two more dogs? And that's something that I think I'm definitely an outlier in my industry in that, right? Like, I think that there's a lot of reactivity training that is contingent on like, nope, the dog is not interacting with other dogs. And sometimes that's appropriate, but I think that the majority of dogs can benefit from dog interactions. And I think that Nessie is a really nice example of that, right? That when we can learn and we can curate and we can understand body language, and we can put training in place that opens up her world. So she does get to fill her little doggy cup a little bit more, right? Yeah, her world is uh, so much bigger now. 
Right. So for everyone listening, please be sure to follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. I have posted a couple of videos of Nessie. So you can kind of see and act, see her kicking ass in, in real life. Um, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me. Is there a social media handle that you wanted to share if listeners wanted to connect with you? Sure. She has a very nascent Instagram page at Nessie the Cuddle Monster with underscores between the words. Okay. So N-E-S-S-I-E underscore the The underscore cuddle underscore monster. Everyone, you can see her adorable face there. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for literally everything. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.